Hello, friends, and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut to the bullshit and get to the point. Well, hello there, To The Point listeners. It's your host, Cristiano up to the point home services podcast with my man tall paul what's up my friend what is up yano always good always good to have good friends back in the studio today is next level master's degree stuff we've been kind of in the prerequisites so this is a big deal today i'm, I'm excited for our conversation hey so next time you got to mute yourself there um don't mute so fast you cut your word off that's how excited i am this is this is like the quarantine bloopers reel. <laughs> right. So um, our guest been in the studio um, multiple times, been on the show multiple times. And like we established last time, it's basically part of the To The Point podcast show at this point. So without further ado, uh, welcome back, Mr. Ken Goodrich, CEO of Gettle. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So we've been getting a lot of... Uh, and. and We've been getting a lot of feedback from our listeners, um, probably even more so in the last few weeks, about the um, option to, one, sell the company, or two, to acquire a company. And I know of no better person to go through that discussion with than my good friend, Ken Goodrich, who's done that once or twice or 150 times. Um, so what I want to do is um, is talk through that and, and try to help the listeners understand um, the ones that are wanting or are interested in selling um, or the ones that are potentially interested in doing acquisitions um, during this time or, or really any time. And so because you and I have had a lot of extensive conversations about it and um, and I've been through multiple conversations with others before, I think it's, it's good to go through something like this and start to give some um, actual tactical things that you can either do uh, if you're wanting to sell, like some de- some just some things that, that the listeners can take away, whether they want to sell or buy. So the name of this of, of this episode is acquisition psychology, and I named it that. I'd actually never even heard of that until Ken, you and I were having a conversation about it. So break that down for me real quick, just so everyone understands what acquisition psychology means to Ken Goodrich. Okay, so um, as we had that conversation, it, it, it dawned on me that throughout my career, I've been both a buyer and a seller. Uh, moreover, I've been a buyer of broken, struggling companies, good, solid companies, and a seller of both those two types of companies as well. So I've been around the whole horn on this situation and kind of understand by experience, you know, what you're feeling and thinking in each one of those directions. And really the, the psychology about it is how to think about it. You know, how, how does one think about a reason to buy, think about a reason to sell? Uh, how does the buyers think about it? How do they empathize and connect with the sellers properly so they can actually get a deal done uh, and everything in between? That's kind of what I was talking about. Got it. So, so then, what are the different types of, of acquisitions? So I always looked at it like uh, 
three different types. You know, there's a there's a database acquisition, and where you're just me merely acquiring the database and trying to mine that database for new customers. The second one I would call is a contractor that's hit a wall. You know, there's certain ceilings, I guess, uh, walls or ceilings in, in business where you get to and you just don't know what to do. You can't do it anymore. You might be burnt out. And that one has a particular nuance there. And I would say that's, you know, somebody hitting that two to $5 million range. And then there's a strategic and a strategic is whereby you have built an enterprise that runs with a management team with, with very little or uh, influence on you, the, the owner. And so a company can buy a predictable cash flow. It's much like the real estate business, right? You can buy a fixer upper house, or you can buy a piece of land and build a house. You can build a, buy a fixer upper house and work on it and fix up, make something into it. Or you can buy a, a high rise apartment complex that has predictable cash flow and money coming in. And, and uh, you know, your obligation to you, you, the shareholder, is just to make it better. So those are the three buckets that I like to look at in life. Do you have one of those that you prefer, one over the other, or is it just a, a mixture? So, uh, you know, certainly in our industry, there's, there's more number ones and number twos. You know, there's more brokens and wall kind of companies. Um, I just, you know, it's pretty... I th not maybe just, I'm going to stop saying our industry, small business in general is a challenging thing, right? Only, only 5% of small businesses ever make it long-term. So 95% of them are in that struggling and going out of business range. So um, I run into most of those. When I first started out acquiring companies, I bought all the broken stuff because I didn't have any money and, and, uh, and really didn't have the management expertise to run anything bigger or better. So I started out acquiring phone numbers, acquiring databases, learning how to convert those customers into our camp, into maintenance plans and servicing them long into the future, how to value them, how to look at it, how to connect with the sellers uh, so that I can actually get a deal done. And then in part later in my career, when I, you know, got past some uh, learning curves. I learned about buying the strategics, uh, how to manage, you know, how to keep a management team in place and a culture in place and, and influence it to increase its revenues and profits and, and ultimately its value as well. So, but most of the opportunity out for people uh, is the database acquisitions or the mid-sized companies that are struggling. Can you talk about connecting with the sellers? I have to imagine that that gets really, really messy in some situations because people are so personally attached to their brand, personally attached to the business. Um, how have you navigated through that? And has that gotten easier over time? Well, everything gets easier over time. But uh, I, so I learned a long time ago, you have to, you know, a person's business is their life's work generally, right? And they're so connected to it and they're proud of it. And so it's, it's difficult to let go. 
and some people will just ride it all the way down, you know, ride down with the ship, right? And that's really not the right way to look at it. So what I've always tried to do is network. I've always tried to keep myself out, visible in, in the industry, going to the trade associations, going to the conventions, you know, getting involved. So I know the know, I know people, I know the players. Uh, and then as I started to do acquisitions, people started to come to me and say, hey, I know you did a deal with Frank, said it was a good deal. Let's talk about my company. You just really got to put yourself out there. And so it really is akin to marketing your business, right? Lead generation, lead conversion, client fulfillment, lead generation. You always have to be looking for companies. I have been out scouting for companies for 25 years. Every single day, we just have a constant push on it. And, you know, we, we, at our companies, we always have some mantras. One is 52-week marketing. So you got to market every single day of every single week, whether you have business or not, to keep the machine running. Preach. And we have 52-week uh, recruiting. You have to be recruiting every single day to keep your pipeline of employees filled so you can grow. And same thing with the acquisitions. You have to have 52 week a year effort put on finding companies that you can possibly buy. When you buy companies, database companies, for instance, I mean, here we are, you know, we've had a certain amount of success, but you know, we're buying a database next week. We bought a database last week and we paid a guy, you know, some money down and percentage of uh, a percentage royalty on the revenue we generate from his clients for 24 months but we're still buying them because those are the least, they're the highest performing and least cost leads that you can get. And so that's part of our marketing strategy. The mid-sized companies we're always hunting because, you know, we want a bigger platform, maybe pick up a few people to convert to our brand and then grow that business going forward. And then we're always looking for the strategics. I mean, we're always putting out letters of intent all the time, making contacts. I made contacts with uh, two companies last week, revenue to totaling $65 million, and we're in discussions as well. So it just has to be part of your culture and your growth plan is to acquire databases, underperforming companies, and strategics. Does that make sense? So, Is that yeah, the sure. question you asked? Yeah, so then... I think that there's, based on the questions that we've been getting in, or messages that we've been getting, both at Rhino and at To The Point, for Paul and myself, is some contractors are just in that broken position or about to be broken and, want, and, and they think that maybe they're out is to sell. So that's uh, clearly not your best time to sell because um, you can't yield the best return if that's the position that your business is in. But what would you say, what can a contractor do to set themselves up to sell and to yield like the best return? Like what are some things that, because it's not like a, Hey, I'm going to decide it this month. And it's like, there's some setup to that. What are, what's some advice you could give to those who are thinking like, Hey, maybe I do want to sell before you try to send them an LOI. What should they do ahead of time <laughs> to uh, set themselves up for or a, a good a good acquisition. Okay, well, let me say this first. To your point, 
no matter what position you're in, there was always a way to monetize your business, no matter what position. And so I see so many guys that are, you know, the business isn't performing and they don't want to, you know, they, they don't want to expose who they really are to a buyer that, that the, the business continues to get le less and less valuable each and every day. And they don't understand. It's like, I got to, I have to capture the value of this company that it is today. And so a couple of years ago, I had a guy come to me and he had some partners and they had a business he was doing 7 million in sales in Las Vegas, not making a profit. And he just said he was, he was one of these guys, the example I'm give, trying to, was trying to give you, which is he's saying, how can I make this business valuable before I run it into the ground? So he came to me, he said, look, I have this business. I'm young, I'm energetic. My partner's young and energetic. Is there any way we can form some sort of association and be part of what you're doing? And so that we can realize the true potential of my company. So we cut a deal with him and we gave him some equity in the company and we gave him some management positions. They made lots more money in their management positions than they did owning the company. We were able to take the company, uh, convert their brand, two different brand names to Gettle uh, in Las Vegas. And that was how we catapulted and got Gettle started. They rode along with us as short shareholders. And in two, two months, two years, seven months, both of them made multi-million dollar paydays from a re recapitalization we did. So don't think because you're underperforming or you don't have a lot of profits, the business doesn't have value. There's all kinds of different ways to skin that cat just get out there and don't be ashamed. And it's just business. Go talk to somebody and get a valuation or get a different idea, way to look at it. There's not just one way, okay? It's not all just a multiple of earnings. There's all kinds of opportunities. Now, what was, your, what was the other part of your question? No, 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 that, that's it. It was... Um... Oh, how do they get ready? Can I, let me, how, how do they get ready? Okay. Right? Yep. Okay. So I'll never forget in 1988, I was struggling. You've heard the stories before. I was struggling. And I decided that I really didn't like the air conditioning business. Um, you know, I thought I should be wearing a suit and being a stockbroker or lawyer or something different. But I knew that I had to go through the fire and get the business done and sold, or you know it would plague me for the rest of my life. Both, uh, you know, worried about regret. Uh, the other other thing was I owed a bunch of money, so I had to pay that back before I could get out of the business. So I decided I would sell, and so I wrote some key things down, and they still hold today on what you have to have to make the most valuable business. And it's no different. Like I use the analogy in real estate. The most valuable real estate cash flows. It cash flows without too much of your involvement, right? And so it's the same thing for a business. If you have a business that has good, solid, proven systems, and you have good, solid, proven people to run those systems, and the business makes creates revenue and profits that grow every year, 
then that is the most valuable business where an owner is not going to come in and have to run it himself because running himself is a lot of risk and it costs money. You know, there's capital that costs and all kinds of things. So the most valuable business you can have is you can go in and prove, say, this is my general manager. This is my installation manager. This is my service manager. This is my call center manager. Here's my management team. Here's what we do. Here's our metrics. Here's our systems. Here's our growth rates. Whether I show up or not, this business has a very highly predictable predictability in creating those revenues and profits going forward. And then, so that creates the most valuable business. You follow me? You got to have systems and people in place where an owner does not create a job for himself or herself. Sure. So um, we're, we're talking to you as, you know, the buyer, right? You spend, it looks like, and sounds like that's a big part of your day to day right now, but you've been a seller at key times. Talk to us about that experience. I mean, you just shared that. It sounded like you were describing one of your companies that you sold, but what has that experience been like for you in those key times that you've sold? You know, so the first group of companies I sold, I, I had built three companies up in the mid nineties and, and uh, the HVAC consolidation was going on and I actually sold them to ARS and um, you know, it was my goal. I mean, my goal was to build the companies and sell them. And so I built the companies and sold them and you know, I had the man, I did everything that I described you. I had the management team in place. I had the business systems in place. I had the brand in place, you know, whether I showed her up or not, they had a reasonable predictability of the profits they bought, they bought. And so, you know, I was able to sell them at a premium. Um, and so one, I set out from day one, I told you I was struggling and I wrote my plan where I said I had to sell. Now, if you create a business with the fact that you're going to have an exit strategy in mind, it will be the best business that you can have, right? If you create a business for the purpose of selling it, built to sell, you will build yourself a business with people and systems and a brand and metrics and all the process in place whereby it's not a burdensome job to you. So everybody should have that in mind. I'm gonna build a business to sell. Now, when you sell up to you is up to you, how you sell is up to you, and to the extent that you can grow it, it has great growth, has great innovation, it has great management, it has a great opportunity in the future, that will dictate its value. You talked That's a little bit about consolidation um, do you see another wave of that coming through or what's your perspective on kind of just the national scale for consolidation? Um, well, obviously it's happening again right now. I mean, I've seen several waves of it. Uh, it is, it's happening right now. These companies are forming and they're, and they're, they're some companies are, are, are taking, big 20 plus million dollar businesses and putting them together in different markets and kind of operating, co-operating together, if you will, without uh, a, a corporate headquarters. And uh, they're selling that for big multiples today. Um, 
there certainly is a lot of private equity activity in the marketplace right now. So they're trying to do the same thing, put that together. Uh, in my case, I'm trying to build a brand. I'm trying to build a national brand, Gettle. 80-year-old company, 114 patents of, of air conditioning innovations. I'm trying to build that brand that way. So I guess the consolidation really continues to go on. It's not like it was in the 90s. In the 90s, it got popular and they went out and they got public money and they, you know, created public companies and they went out and bought them. Uh, and for the most part, I would call it a failure, if you will. I mean, some big companies came out of it, but it, it, they certainly didn't own the industry by any means. And they certainly had their stall points. I mean, without naming names, I know a company that, you know, towards, towards the year 2000 was almost a billion dollar company in HVAC plumbing service. And today they're 700 million. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, familiar. 20 years later, yeah. So I wouldn't call that a failure by any means, but um, doesn't sound like their plan was executed well, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So there's, yes, there is a lot of opportunity right now. And, and if anyone, you know, this is the time for any stage where you're at to try to maximize the value of your company because the market is so hot for our types of businesses. Uh, and so, you know, a business is typically sold on multiples, multiples of profit. So they're the highest multiples I've personally ever seen right now. Uh, and so to the extent that you build yourself the highest and best value company, which is management team, opportunity growth, you know, right market, all that stuff, you know, that's where you're going to see the biggest value. Same At the same, same time, companies like me, we're looking for companies because we know we can create an arbitrage uh, of, you know, even if they're, even if the business is underperforming, we can use that to increase our revenues and profits and our ultimately our value. So, you just said you're seeing the highest multiples you've ever seen. What's the best way for, for a seller because you know some people don't have it like they didn't come into this with an exit strategy and now they're been they're having been put in a situation where that's what they're considering because of this the scenario that we're in maybe they weren't they didn't have the cash flow or if they have they've burned through it like whatever the case what's the best way for that person to put themselves out there um you know uh I, it's no different than it's no different than the sales cycle of our business. You know, you can't just sit there and wait for Prince Charming to come knock on your door. You know, you got to go out and get the business right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there, there's all kinds of avenues for them to find. I mean, um, every major company that's growing uh, or is doing some acquisitions, your vendors certainly know who they are. I would talk to their vendors. 
who's buying companies right now? Um, yeah, like that. Um, uh, you, you can always list your business. You can always get on. There's all kinds of sites, you know, blogs that you can get on there. There's all the Facebook groups where you just put it out there. Hey, I'm interested in my selling my company. Here's my market. Anybody interested in talking about it? You just got to go out and go out and get it. What do they say? Woody Allen says 80% of success is just showing up. So you talked yeah. earlier about the, the business that can't operate without the owner. And I'm sure you've seen many of those. Would you say that's oftentimes the general rule that you see? These are there's plenty of businesses out there that just can't operate without that that kingpin. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, some companies operate despite the owner too. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they don't. <laughs> it's because they haven't defined an exit strategy, right? So. Um, Yes, there's companies where the owner is so integral in the business that if they go, the probability of the business success is very slim. And so that's not a very valuable company. It has some value. And, you know, we've been able to be creative in ways to, to get some value out of those. But understand that that's you didn't build, you didn't finish. You didn't finish your job. Your job was to build a company that operated without you based on great systems and great people. Ken, when I was um, being mentored earlier in my career, someone shared with me, they were talking about the different types of owners and businesses. And he said to me that some of the owners of my customers became owners because under no other scenario on the planet would anybody hire that guy. He's that big of a jerk. And I can't <laughs> say I disagree with that in some ways, but I'm sure you've seen uh, that's another way to kind of rise to the top, right? Yeah, I mean, I certainly have seen, and 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 by the way, the the very, very, I don't know, the you know, just the very dynamic of owning a, owning a business really makes people unemployable too, uh, right. especially when they get caught in a lifestyle type of business. You know, I like to take my kids to school. I like to take long lunches. I take a lot of vacations. The business pays for it, uh, all of which is not going to promote growth of the company. I mean, they can have a nice, nice life and that's okay too, but you're never going to build an enterprise with value, tens of millions of dollars. Everybody who's listening to this podcast has the same opportunity. I started from a service truck, an 18 year old service truck that overheated routinely. And I, oh, through the journey I've taken, I've learned how to build enterprises that are worth tens of millions of dollars. And so if I can do it, anybody else can do it. You just have to understand that you're going into business to build a company to sell. Now, I have, I've had a lot of people say, I don't, I'm never going to sell my company. And I keep asking the same question, like, could you introduce me to the genie that gave you perpetual life, right? The genie that said, cast a spell on you and you're going to live forever and you're going to never sell your business. Cause I want to meet that guy. I might take him up. on. But that's just not the case, right? We don't live forever. So everyone's going to sell their business. They're going to sell it to an, a relative family member. They're going to sell it to the bankruptcy court, or they're going to sell it to a strategic buyer. That's one of the three, three things that is going to happen. It's inevitable. 
So get your mind around it and build your business accordingly and make it as valuable as you possibly can for the time and effort that you put into it. Everybody's going to sell their business. We're taking Rhino to heaven with us. Rhino to the point that's all going to heaven with us. Right. right. There was was certainly a time when I said, I'm never, I'm never going to sell this company and I'm having a blast growing it. Um, that being said, I've been through like due diligence multiple times, but it was more so to learn the process and understand, you know, or, or as I've grown through this career. For those listeners that might be listening for the first time, um, even though I'm your favorite host of uh, your podcast to the point, I'm second also favorite. CEO, second favorite. I'm also the CEO of Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a 12 year old digital marketing company that only works for the trades. We've been uber successful, but it's because we have really, really great customers. We continue to grow like we do. That being said, um, I've learned a lot over the years too. And um, I'm having a blast growing this thing. I've kind of got my Ken Goodrich, my, my, my KG uh, mentality going on of um, I want to be the best of the best. And so I've got a lot of work to do and I'm only 40. So um, now I do think it's, um, I've been involved in more conversations, especially as of late on potential acquisitions. Um, and I'm enjoying this process, but you stole my question, Ken, because I was going to say, there's still plenty of people and I'm running into it right now that are saying, I'm not interested you know, in selling. I'm never going to sell this thing. And I find it, I, I find it hard to believe because like even my wife said, like everybody has their price. So you're well, going to sell it. You gotta, and, and you got to keep this in mind. Am, am I interrupting you? You want to no, finish? Go ahead. Okay. You have to keep this in mind. So I've monetized 24 companies so far in five different transactions. And so just because you sell one does not mean your life's over. doesn't mean your career's <laughs> over. I mean, and I sold them for different reasons. The first time I sold, I had three companies and I sold because that was my plan and I didn't want to be in the air conditioning business anymore. And so I sold it. I set a goal. I actually did five plus times, six times that goal in revenue. And as soon as I got in there, I started looking around at other businesses. I got to travel and look at other companies and I realized I, I was nowhere with the business I had. I, I thought it was really good but there were so many more companies better than me making so much more money than I was. I thought I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to do it so much better because I know it. And I got excited about it, re-energized about it. So that took me on my next journey. And I, and over a period of time, I put five businesses together and I monetized them, sold them. And then, and then the company bottom said, Hey, will you fix seven businesses that we have, uh, will you fix them for us and get them on the right track and we'll pay you a multiple of earnings just like if you were the owner. I said, okay, so I did that. And then, uh, and then some vendors, I, I did, got that project done. And then some vendors came to me and said, we got this company that's broken and, and the owners owe us a bunch of money, you know, more than $4 million. And could, will you come take the business and help us get our money out of it? And uh, I did that one. I, I took that one for free. 
they gave it to me for free and I took it and I flipped it in, uh, got it, got it fixed. And I flipped it in one year and one day. And then I was able to get into Gettle. So just because you sell your business does not mean your life's over or your career's over. Again, I like the analogy of real estate. I do a lot of real estate too. And a lot of people have portfolios of rental properties and, you know, the right time to sell rental properties is, when the market, either the market conditions are uh, at its best, it's at its highest and best value, or you need to for some other reason, right? And it's just an asset that you buy and sell and trade. And that's how you really need to look at your business. And I don't mean that you don't, can't, don't have to have passion for it and commitment for it, but your business is something that you own. It is not your life. It's something you're to own and build value with and build equity with and monetize it one day. And so as long as you keep your mind focused on that, you're going to get the best value as a buyer and a seller. So where do where do you where do you find companies that want to sell? Like what's what's your strategy? Because you you said 52 weeks, 365 days. Like what is your strategy when you're trying to find sellers? So I make sure I, you know, I'm talking to somebody in the industry every single day, you know, one to 20 people. And I'm always putting the feelers out on that. I belong to a lot of best practice groups. I'm putting the feelers out on that. Uh, we send letters routinely to certain markets that we want to be in. We're always getting leads on that. Uh, I'm in touch with everyone close with all of my vendors and, you know, letting them know at all times, Anybody struggling, anybody have any challenges, anybody want to retire that you know of, get us some leads. Uh, even of late, we've been using uh, social media and sending out some ads that way. And uh, we're even geo-targeting certain companies around the country that we want to influence maybe to be their first choice when they want to sell. And so that we're subliminally putting in the messages of the shareholders and their wives and everybody else were the guys to sell to eventually. So it, you just have to work it no different than you're working for leads to sell an air conditioner. Right. Right. And I, and I think what I've learned from, um, you know, us becoming, you know, friends and listening to you and us having many, many conversations is um, the one thing you've really been open to is you have a lot of people come to ghetto. I just want to make one note. This is not a beer. <laughs> Your Vita Cocoa. Coconut water. That's approved. Yeah. Coconut water. Um, and that was not a, uh, that wasn't a paid ad. So um, the, uh, you've, yeah, freebie. You've been really open to having people come to your, I mean, come to your offices, um, spend time with them um, with, for no other reason than to, to just be helpful. Um, and, People that even some of the listeners who are listening to this thinking like some still may not get it tactically on how to accomplish those things. So um, not that I'm saying everybody needs to go to Ken Goodrich because he's juggles quite a bit, but whether it's you or another peer in the industry, you can go and ask somebody to help you set yourself up. Like there are plenty of experts and, and if you reached out to Ken um, and he, 
didn't respond to you because Ken gets blown up. But if if he can't if he can't help you, he has a lot of peers in the industry that certainly can help give you give you guidance. So I think it's okay to say, ask for help if you don't get it. It's okay. Like you got to set your pride aside, depending on whatever position that you're in. Um, I've learned just in the last three years, four years much more about mergers and acquisitions than I've ever known before. And it's very intriguing to me and I've learned, but I've had to ask a lot of questions and listen and, and ask the same questions again and feel dumb. And if I ask Ken a question twice and he's already answered once before, he won't mind sharing with me that I've asked that question before. <laughs> I already told you, Chris, but I'm okay with that because I'm trying to absorb as much as I possibly can. So I would encourage you that uh, continue to listen to podcasts um, reach out to people that might know or somebody who sold before. Guaranteed, if you ask somebody in your peers in the industry in any Facebook groups or any of your manufacturers that you use somewhere, somebody's going to know someone who has sold who can help give you advice that's willing to help. So take advantage of those situations. And if you don't have anyone, send a message to To The Point and we'll connect you with somebody to get you squared away. So hey, let me address a point here. Do you mind? Yeah, go ahead. So... We, we have had a, you know, we've had a motive for most of my career whereby we network with contractors, we share with contractors, we help each other, help contractors. And, you know, I get as much out of that as they get out of it uh, because they, no matter who they are, what size they're, we always pick up a gem and, and I think it's, uh, you know, reciprocal. So we invite people all the time come to our operations, meet our management team, watch how we do things. And, and when I talked about how I sold the first group of businesses and then I got re-inspired, I got re-inspired because I went to these other companies and I saw what they did. And I'm thinking, I could do that and I could have that success and I could do that better and you know that kind of stuff. And that's what led me to take the next step and the next step and the next step. So don't feel like you can't reach out uh, because we have people touring our offices every single day, maybe not the last 60 days, but we have people <laughs> touring our offices and you're always welcome. The next thing I want to say is, yes, I mean, I'm getting blown up every day. People ask me questions, people want to talk, and I, and I get to everybody that I, I can, uh, and, and sometimes some fall through the cracks. But I'm always of the sort that I checked my ego years ago i coach checked my ego years ago i don't have an ego i don't if i want to get a hold of somebody i don't take offense if they don't return my call the first time the second time the fifth time the tenth time the 27th time i just go get that connection done i never stop ever because i check my ego so don't think because i didn't answer you immediately that I'm too good or, you know, or, and don't let your ego get in the way of that. Just keep trying. I'll get back to you. Um, uh, and, and here's another great acquisition example. So I heard of a company that went bankrupt, filed for bankruptcy. And it, was, it was supposed to be, a, it was a $25 million company recently. And so I tell one of my guys, I said, get me in front of that owner. Get me that guy's name and get me in front of that owner. And so, you know, a couple of days I check him out. What are you doing? He goes, oh, I sent him an email. I go, that's it? He said, yeah. Well, okay. Did he answer? Well, no. I said, look, 
get me in front of this guy. The times of the essence, bankrupt companies sometimes are a good deal. Good deal. We can come in, snatch out a bankruptcy, make deals with the creditors, and we can have a big company for not a lot of cash. And so he keeps trying, and, and I get him back in here. And where do you know? Well, I went on LinkedIn. I try to get him on LinkedIn. I'm like, that's it. I go, look, this is how you get a hold of somebody. And I pick up my phone and I said, see this guy? He's a retired FBI agent. He's a private detective now. Call him, tell him you want the name and address of this guy. Within 10 minutes, he had the name, address, and his vacation home address. I said, no, go, now go get him. So a few days later, comes back. I go, where are we at? He goes, oh, I still haven't got him. I go, what are you talking about? You got his name, address, his cell phone number. What do you have? What do you know? And he, we even got his daughter's name. They're not answering me. I said, then get on an airplane and fly to Lake Tahoe where he's at and knock on his door. Go get in front of this guy. <laughs> and so... He was all prepared to do that because he said, look, I am not going to sleep until I get in front of this guy. And by the way, this is a technique that I have done myself. I've knocked on people's doors. I've done whatever it took to get in front of them to get a deal made to acquire a company that I knew would propel my company forward, right? Um, so he, was, he got his plane. You know, He was going to fly last week. Right, he got his plane ticket to fly to Reno to drive to Lake Tahoe to knock on this guy's door, and finally the daughter answered the phone, and she put him in contact, and we got the whole story, and we were able to talk to the guy. Now it turns out that it turns out that it's not kind of not our kind of company, right? But it was a twenty-five million dollar business, commercial business that we don't do right now, and it would have been a great ad had we been in that business and we could have got it for pennies, but it was really about staying on top of the lead. Right. And it's, this is no different than anything that you do in business, maybe even in life. You just have to have the tenacity to go get it. Yeah. Um, and that's something that you've talked about since, you I mean, you took this thing over and, at 200,000, right? I think from, from your dad and you've had to just go and get after it and persistence. And, um, all these things seem to be if Paul, these seem to be the same things that we're hearing on every podcast from different people, the same kind of Northern star is this persistence piece. Um, cause you gotta do it. If you really want to set yourself apart, you gotta, you gotta do the work too. And, um, you know, you can sit around and complain about, you know, the woe is me, the what ifs, or you can do something about it because anyone who is looking to sell right now because you're afraid of what's happening with COVID, let me tell you this. The majority of Rhino customers, I would say 97% of Rhino customers are still full go and some have even multiplied their spend to take advantage because people are home more. Um, kids are flushing wipes down toilets. So drink, like business is, is doing great. If I asked Ken right now what his month is, he would probably say something stupidly large because he keeps going. He doesn't stop. But that doesn't, whether you're ghetto size or you're a $150,000 guy, you just got to do the work. You got to get creative. He, I mean, Ken had said at one point, he picked up the phone, started with the A's and started calling people. Does that suck? Probably. But you got to do it. Like, how bad do you need to get to keep this thing going? 
I 100% say when business search volume is picking up, that means pe people are home more, people are searching more, it's getting hot in some markets, all right? Well, as soon as the heat comes, especially in the Midwest markets, the Northeast up north, May is usually that pivotal month. When that heat comes, things are gonna change for you too. And you gotta be there to get it. You gotta be persistent, you gotta get after it. So you might think you need to sell, or you may just need to re-switch the gears in your head to a, uh, okay, man, I'm in, my back's against the wall, now I gotta put my head down and get after it. Like your business might look a little different, but it's certainly not dead. And you can change that game. Let me say something though, that I, I wanted to make sure that I said, about acquisitions. Is it okay to go back to that topic? Sure. So I have a lot of guys that come talk to me about acquisitions and you know they'll say, oh, oh yeah, I looked at this one, but that guy was crazy. He wanted so much money for it. I told him to go jump in the lake, right? And I'm thinking that must be how you sell your air conditioners too, because that's just not how you sell something. Remember, the buy of an air conditioning of a company is a sell, sales job, right? It is a sales job. And you have to think of it like that. And, you know, you got to be mindful of a few things. One is you're talking in most cases to a guy about his life's work. So you have to be respectful. You have to have a certain amount of reverence about his life's work, right? And so you can't put it down. You can't tell him what you do better than him. You can't judge it. You just have to enjoy his story, right? Now, most people have a tendency of pricing their business based on what they feel they deserve for all the trouble and hell and challenges and work that they put into the business, which the market does not get measured that way. The market gets measured, the, the business sale market gets measured in What's the cash flow? What's the profits? And I'm going to pay you a multiple of those profits. And so if you want to carry on with the conversation, make sure you keep them in the game. You don't have to tell them from day one, well, your price is stupid and I'm not going to pay it and leave and then cut off conversation, right? Let's just get into it and, and, and build a relationship, no different than your sales call. Build a relationship with that client so you can have meaningful and honest conversations with them and eventually get to the point, maybe not that day, maybe not that week, maybe two weeks later where you say, look, Joe, I know you believe this is worth $2 million, but the market says it's not. I didn't create the market. I didn't create the formula. The formula is X amount of times times earnings, for instance, and there's many different ways to value, but I'm giving a good example. And so at that point you can say, and frankly, you just haven't earned that. The work that you've done has not earned that value yet, but here's what it's worth today. And, and I'm willing to pay this for it. And I'm willing to continue your legacy forward. And that usually gets a sale done as opposed to, you know, sticker shock and everybody runs out. And that's a very important thing. I see so many guys just walk away from deals because they don't have the understanding or the confidence to form a relationship and negotiate down the road. Great advice. Yeah, that's great advice. I, uh, because there's plenty of ways to, uh, to make that deal happen that might have equal or maybe a little less value, but you have to take the time to think through it and continue those relationships. Right. And then so, one, yeah. 
One last thing on the topic. <laughs> Acquisitions are the fastest, is, is the least expensive and fastest and most effective ways to grow your companies. If you want to build a company, if you're, if you're looking to build and grow a company of some significant size, you have to have acquisitions as part of your strategies, or you should have acquisitions as part of your strategies. Databases for customers, mid-sized companies for customers and some people, or even strategics for big leaps forward in size and revenues and profits that you believe that you can give a lift on by improving something inside that business. We, we, we talked like a few podcasts ago about launching our um, little combined heart for home services challenge to each other, man. And, and um, we've seen a lot of people step up um, and do different things for their communities, for their employees, for their customers. It's been awesome to see from coast to coast and even at a customer up in Canada starting to take advantage of these things, but um, commend you for going to your board and asking for a million and a half dollars to help your, uh, help your employees with their, um, with, I mean, that was, that was amazing. Just give for the listeners who didn't see that story, just give a little snippet of what you've done. And yes, I'm bragging on you for a second, but because I think this is pretty badass. So just give a little snippet of to the listeners on what you just did. So that way they can know like, hey, sometimes I read messages and Ken sounds like a hard ass. Ken has a total soft side to him, trust me. So tell us what they, tell the listeners what you did. So, uh, so when this whole COVID thing came about, you know, we, we quickly deployed, you know, all the CDC guidelines with regards to social distancing and gloves and masks and washing your hands and hand sanitizers and all that for our people because, you know, we are a central service company and we, it, it's just our responsibility to make sure people's mechanical systems are working and reliable during this time. I mean, God forbid someone would have someone sick in their home and their plumbing didn't work or their HVAC system didn't work. And so it's just really incumbent upon us to make sure that our, our uh, customers and communities are taken care of. So we have, you know, we have, just stayed business as usual uh, with with the new way of life, if you will, with some people working from home and uh, you know all the different uh, ways that we protect ourselves and such. And knock on wood, we have not had any incidents of anybody sick in our company. But what we decided to do, though, is we wanted to make sure that everybody in our company had the best IAQ possible, indoor air quality. And I'm not saying that UV lights, for instance, or, or air purifiers kill the COVID virus, but it sure feels better when you see that blue light glowing on your return air grill, you're like, you're doing something, right? At least I'm doing something, right? And uh, so we took a census of everybody's homes and apartments and this and that, how many systems they have, this and that. We designed a system, uh, you know, with, with the UV lights filtration, uh, and and we went out. We're, we're currently deploying. We're we're installing them in over 600 employees' homes as we speak right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, um, and, and this and, wasn't and, like. And I think everyone's really reporting this. It's the peace of mind for their family. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've had so many of my employees take a picture at night of the glowing blue light. In, in certain installations, you'll see the light a little bit through the return air grill. And, and they say, 
you know, thank you. They feel so much better about it. So a lot of it's peace of mind. Yeah, I love it. I had a uh, best friend of mine lives down in Austin, Texas, owns a jewelry store. And, um, and you've gotten to know me well enough to know, like, I, I'm at the same time, I try to do as much as I possibly can, even if it's not in my wheelhouse, I'm trying to find a solution to help my customers because they're all home services people. So he jewelry store is not an essential business. So he shut down. I mean, and in Texas, they're on full lockdown. So I said to him, Hey, you know, we have a, uh, we created this, you know, no contact service call badge probably three weeks ago. We've rolled it out to 10,000 plus people. That's the last I even checked, like just created it, gave it. So that way you could throw it on your site. It was part of our heart for home services give. It was put it on your site to let the people know that you've taken the right precautions, that you don't have to have any contact. It was just that before they ever even called you or sent you a contact form, they could see that badge and clearly know you're taking all the right safety precautions. Now, since then, people have also added videos like you guys have created an awesome video. A lot of our customers have created videos stating the same things. But what we wanted to do beyond that was like, hey, now we've decreased cancellations. Um, but do you actually have the mask? So this whole mask problem was, was a thing. So I called my friend in, uh, in Texas and I said, Hey, you're handy, man. Like you, you, you're a mate, like a major craftsman with jeweler. Like he's a handy guy. I'm like, can you make masks? And I said, here's the N95. So Paul and I hop on a phone call with a gentleman that owns HBC.com. Who's got great connections with different, um, like filter manufacturing. And I was like, can we get the filter film? Like I'm trying to find ways to get masks to my customers. So what he ended up doing is finding these HEPA filters for vacuums that are actually at 97 instead of 95 and started creating masks and then mass producing them from his house, him, his wife, his employees, um, and which had then turned them into essential business. I don't take a dime from that. I didn't ask for a dime. What the purpose of it was is that I needed my customers to have masks to get in the home to keep going. So you and I kind of share, like, I didn't go about it with our, our, our employees. We did some different things for our, our employees, not on the scale that you did, but I felt like to all of our Rhino customers, we did that. And then we opened it up to the masses. And it, so it's just been one way that we've given back. So all that to say, man, I commend you for really stepping up and kind of being the first one when we came up with this thing to just really drill home and, and you already had it in place. And we were thinking about doing it and the two came together and, um, a lot of responses come from that post in ACHR, um, the news and from our stuff. So, so thanks, man. Um, and then the last thing I want to say, take care of your people. Got to. Well, and my people are my customers, my employees, my family, my partners. And, and those are the people that are family to me. And I take, make sure I take care of all of them. Um, last thing, listeners, we're going to do something that we've never done. So turn the volume up just a little bit more. Way to go, Paul. Nice job. So when Ken and I were talking on one of our many conversations about different things, I felt like, and Ken felt like, maybe it would be a good idea for us to actually do a live podcast. So thankfully, in the To The Point podcast room, we have plenty of room to have safe social distancing and do a live podcast where you can ask Ken anything within reason because there'll be a moderator. <laughs> so I've seen what some of you guys asked in some of these posts, so we got to have a moderator. But the, the hope is, is that we've had so many people reach out to myself, Paul, and even a lot of the Rhino staff on, hey, I heard this podcast, I heard Ken or heard whoever, and they want to ask questions. Well, we don't have a format where we take questions ahead of time. 
So in this instance, what we're going to do, uh, as of right now, on May 5th, which is Cinco de Mayo, um, and can't nobody go out and do anything for Cinco de Mayo, so not like you can go out anywhere. So we figured this is a good time to celebrate uh, in studio. We're going to do Ask Ken Anything, the live podcast at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, and we'll make plenty of posts and share and things like that, so that way you know, and and we'll get it we'll get it set up. Um, but I'm excited about doing it with you, Ken. Um, and and what this the, because Ken we just talked about, he has so many people that reach out to him, or people that want to come and see his operation and watch him work. We felt like this was a really good thing that we can do together, where. Uh, Ken can answer whatever questions that you know that comes up within this hour time frame that we're going to stick to, and hopefully um, answer questions that maybe others have too. So hopefully everybody's excited about that. Ken, do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to do that, um, and, and I'm happy to do that. I'll answer any questions to the extent I can, and you know, share my experiences. Um, appreciate you coming on as always. I'm sure it'll be another, like I said, May 5th, we're going to do our live uh, podcast together. I'm really excited for, for that. Um, as always, um, appreciate the uh, friendship. We appreciate the partnership and, um, to the listeners, hopefully you are able to take some really good stuff away from this. Like Ken has been through it all. Um, he's not, he didn't start big, you know, the guy that's the top of the mountain didn't fall there. So he has a lot of knowledge and which is why we continue to have Ken come back on time and time again. So if you have any questions and you can't get through to uh, Ken directly, like I said earlier, he does, you know, something slipped through the cracks. He does get lots of inquiries. You can feel free to reach out to us as well. And we can help um, connect you with whomever you might need help with, or at least try to guide you in the right direction. So tall Paul, I appreciate you hopping on brother and all your input KG. We'll talk to you guys soon to our listeners. Stay safe out there. Keep your head down and keep plugging away. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time, kick some ass.